Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. I love Lou. Lou's one of my favorite callers and one of my favorite people. But Lou, you got to listen to this because Denton pointed something out when we went to break, and I should have pointed this out to you. Um, you know, first of all, Eric Bieniemy had total autonomy over this offense from the jump. He was hired on February 18th. Uh, everything that they did in the offseason, everything they Ron Rivera changed meeting times and meeting days to accommodate and to make things as easy. Uh, and um, open to, uh, to to success for Eric Bieniemy as po- as possible. But the whole offensive line thing all year long, and I- I've discussed this many times. Okay, I don't think I've watched a really good offensive line at any point. By the way, let's bring Ben Standig in. Ben Standig, our Washington Commanders insider. He was at the presser earlier. He's with us right now. Um, uh, I'm just uh, uh, real quickly. I just want to mention Ben that all year long, I don't feel like I've watched a really good offensive line. But right now, through 15 weeks of the season, 15 games, 16 weeks of the NFL season, Washington's line per next gen's pass block win rate uh, number is 14th best in the league, top half of the league as a pass blocking offensive line. I think one of the reasons 
that a lot of you get so worked up over the offensive line. First of all, Sam's had a lot to do with that. But secondly, um, and more importantly, watch the rest of the league. Offensive line is a problem in a lot of places. It's the place where you end up with the most musical chairs during the season because you've got injuries, uh, in part because there are five players in that position group, the most of any position group. But um, you've got a lot of teams that struggle uh, with offensive line talent, with offensive line production. Um, scheme has something to do with it, and quarterback has something to do with it, ultimately in terms of the number of sacks they take. But Washington's offensive line is 14th in the league, 14th best in pass block win rate. It, it hasn't looked good to me either at times, but I'm just telling you what the advanced numbers on their offensive line, in part because there are a lot of bad offensive lines around the league. All right, let's bring in uh, Ben Standig. Uh, at Ben Standig on Twitter, subscribe to The Athletic, listen to his podcast, Standig Room Only. Ben is with us today because he wasn't with us on Monday. He'll be back with us on Friday. So um, because we haven't talked on the air since Sunday, just give me your overall sort of chronological you know, Brissett coming in again, the follow-up to that, and then ultimately arriving here this morning with Ron Rivera Ron Rivera deciding with two games left he's going to start Brissett at least Sunday against the Niners. Yeah, I mean, even for Sam Howell, who is, you know, his numbers, his production, his play has been declining in recent weeks. What we saw in the first half in particular of that game uh, – uh, up in New Jersey was pretty unsightly. You know, what did he finish? Six for 22. His passer rating was like one, something insane like that. 1.7. Um, passer rating. And QBR was 1.7 as well. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously a pretty dismal situation, independent of the fact that Jacoby comes in and, you know, gets <laughs> keeps getting touchdowns when he plays. Weird things tend to happen when backups come in for a variety of reasons. But putting that aside, you know, Sam obviously looked – uh, pretty lost out there, and that's a concerning thing from the long term. I mean, it's concerning in the moment for everybody involved. He's you know trying to put their best foot forward, but you know from a longer term perspective, because as we heard the head coach say many times this year, this season is all about developing the young quarterback, and now he's clearly you know taking a step back. How much is you know up for the evaluators to uh, to determine? So I understood why they brought Brissett in, and you know I understand now why. They're staying with Brissett, obviously going up against San Francisco this week. You know, it's still arguably the best team in the league with a hellacious defense. You know, that's a bad spot for a young quarterback who's clearly, you know, maybe hasn't lost his confidence, but something is going uh, sideways here. That, that said, I don't know if for me it's the best thing to do. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Like, again, I, I guess for me, it's like I don't like to let the people who say the things that they say off the hook it's too easy to say he didn't he had no you know he had no choice where i was talking here with some of my colleagues in the media room about the notion that he's got to look out for the other 52 players and making this call and you know i i would argue that sure how has looked so poor that maybe it does make sense to give him a rest and give him a mental break and let him watch and you know for him to pick things up where they go but he wasn't worrying about the other 52 players in the middle of the year when he kept saying that this season is all about the young quarterback. He wasn't right. saying the season was all about making the playoffs. He was saying the season's all about developing that guy. So if that's going to be your notion, then stay with it. Let's see if Hal can get through. Now that said, you know, can he work through this? That said, he's they're speaking to him. They're seeing what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not. 
So if they felt that it was best for him and his career to sit him, that's fine. But the idea that it would be about the other 52 guys, and I, that to me doesn't work when you just kept saying over and over again that the season's about the young quarterback. I would even add to that. I completely agree with you. This is not a this is not apples to apples to the Dwayne Haskins situation or the RG three situation. There are two games left in a season that's already sunk, uh, and we know from all season long, Sam's well liked and respected by players. I don't think this is about saving a locker room. What's the point of saving a locker room at four and eleven anyway? I think they just if it really is about this guy's just not capable right now of functioning because of the confidence and he's you know he's just shot mentally and he's frustrated and it's it's really we don't want to see this anymore for him then then that's fine but I I also just want to add because somebody tweeted me this earlier that is an indictment on Sam I mean if you're looking for any 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 further indictment the fact that the current coaching staff doesn't think that he's fit to even go out there and play in the final two games um that's not what you would say about a future starter that you want to build around I know that ship has sailed for most of us but there are still people hanging on to the idea that he was screwed by an offensive line an offensive coordinator a head coach a defense and everything else but, you know, sitting him and essentially saying he's not fit right now, physically or mentally, to go out there, mentally really, is not a good look for Sam either. I, I, I would have put him out there personally. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, like I said, they know what's going on more than we do from the outside right. in terms of him and what's going on. So, you know, if there's some true scarring happening because of what's going on, then okay, then you know, you got to make that call. And like I said, if the, if the decision was based on he is just playing poorly to that end, okay, I get it. But, you know, like I said, if the whole point, as they said over and over and over again, was about developing him and seeing what he can do, then, you know, that should be played through. I mean, you know, every quarterback, let's just say they draft a quarterback with a third pick in this draft. Well, that player will presumably go through some periods where he's throwing too many interceptions and taking too many sacks and making too many mistakes Obviously, we wouldn't be going. Well, you got to just sit that guy. He's not. It's not working out. I mean, you know, you you know. I mean, if you're gonna, you know, if the goal is to develop that player, I think you got to see it through. So, I, you know, like I said, I get it to an extent, but it, it's it's uh, at this point, like you said, it's also, you know, like you said, the season is over. This isn't about. You know, there was a question last week about, you know, because of Sam's playing poorly, would you sit him if the playoffs were in in, in the mix? And Ron basically was like, yeah, maybe. Which to me, I was like, well, one, it's not the mix. Two, unless we're saying the defense looks much, much better, right. then presumably Howe would have been playing fine enough to do that. But also, that's the playoffs. Like, you have to make that determination. What's the best thing for this team? I get at that point, it's about the 52. At this stage, with two games to go, I, I don't see it. What do you think of the theory my longtime listener and caller, Kevin, proposed to me, which is. He told me to go look at Rivera's overall record, which is 102, 101, and 2 in the regular season. Two more losses means he exits as a head coach with a career sub-500 record. Do you think that he wants to give it as much of a chance to win one of these final two games to end up with a a better than 500 record? If he can win one of them, he'll end up 103, 102, and 2 versus the opposite. Um, he's, you know, 
there's some pride with this guy. There's some compete with this guy. Always has been. You think that was in play at all? Well, to say that I hadn't thought about that until you brought this up is true, except the crazy thing is while you, we were talking and I was speaking to my first answers, I heard my phone make a noise. And just to make sure I wasn't missing something, I looked to see just now what it was. And it was somebody sending me a text saying, do people recognize that he's going to Brissette because he wants to keep his record over 500? So apparently two people at least had this thought. I mean, <laughs> boy, I'd like to say that's no, that that's not the case for a hundred reasons, but it is an interesting dynamic. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's uh Look, I mean, these guys do have a lot of ego and a lot of pride, and I can understand that he would not want that. Uh, his, you know, I mean, not to mention, like, you know, at this point, they're going to. Well, it's uh, not like lose. it's a difference between the Hall of Fame and not the Hall of Fame, but uh, it, but it is I mean, a big like, distinction, you know. Yeah, I was yeah, a winning head sure. coach in my 15 year, whatever number of years he was a head coach. Right, 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 right. No, I mean, you know, uh, 13. I, you know, look, he's already going to be as a 13, this is his 13th year. And in 10 of those years, his team's um, finished with a non-winning record. So right. he's already, it's already gone that, you know, been rough that 15 and one season with the Panthers really is doing a lot of work to prop, to prop up the overall thing. But yeah, that is kind of a crazy thing. I mean, the fact that they're playing, if that's really the case, he really has to hope Dallas loses this week because then Dallas exactly. makes sick guys next week. Because other right. than that, I just don't see how they're winning that game either. They're not winning Sunday with Brissett or without him. I mean, it doesn't matter. They, I mean, it. it I, I love Jacoby Brissett. I've, I've always loved Jacoby Brissett. Um, but they're not going to beat this team coming off that loss on Monday night. You know, things happen in the NFL, but I don't think that's happening. But you're right. Ron's best shot is for Dallas to lose to Detroit on Saturday night, Philly to beat the Cardinals, and Dallas then would have nothing to play for in the season finale, which it almost looked like they had nothing to play for last year when they actually did have something to play for. We're talking to Ben Standig. So, by, by the way, can I just go back to something here really quick? Sure. This idea of whether or not he's you know, got to think about the other 52 guys, 52 players, was he thinking about them six days after the last season when before he has an OC, before he's gotten into free agency, before they've added quarterback competition, before they've had a real chance to even think about what to do, they declare the kid with one career start, um, the, the, the QB1 entering the offseason, and basically telling any OC who might be interested in coming here, that's the plan. Was that really thinking about everything else? I, I don't think so. I think that was a bit of a Hail Mary, and I'm not knocking. Look, Sam Howell, I think overall – has still exceeded expectations. Now maybe it's a little closer to that line of scrimmage as opposed to being down the field, but Sam Howell's done fine. And if they wanted to move forward with him in some capacity, starter or backup, or at least think about it, sure. But in terms of what was best for this team to win, there's no way you can tell me that six days after the season when he didn't even want to start Sam Howell initially in that last game, that he was thinking about the greater good when he made that decision. Well, I mean, look, we 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 t- we've been talking about this for so long, um, but the the big the big ideas, the big thoughts, they don't go away. And this was a wish casting situation from the jump. You know, you were for in my world, you were the first to suggest, hey, he went this route just to deflect attention from what was a hideous end to the 2022 season, specifically the uh, the uh, Cleveland game 
which Wentz started and he forgot, you know, that they could be eliminated at the end of that thing. Um, and, you know, he had to be talked in to playing, ta- uh, to, to playing Sam Howell or starting Sam Howell by Taylor Heineke. Um, and in, in the, the bottom line is I still think it's one of the most inflated reactions, positive reactions to a performance in our fan base's recent history. I mean, you would have thought that that Dallas game last year, it was, you know, the second coming of – uh, of of Kurt Warner, like you know, as as an undrafted guy or barely drafted guy, and this guy literally he was eleven for nineteen. He was fine. He was fine in that yeah. game, but there was no reason to do what he did other than for your reason. But it was wish casting. It was hope. Um, it was dreaming overdoing right from the beginning because he saw this as a way to enhance his legacy. And look, Sam didn't give him any reason in the offseason training camp or for much of the first half of the season, even beyond that, to to have that dream die. You know, there were enough good things going on, which certainly had enough people believing that they were seeing the, the, the next franchise quarterback. Um, but you know, clearly the teams they were playing were not as good defensively as the teams they've played here recently. And we've seen a crashing back to earth. I actually mentioned to somebody the other day, and I think I mentioned it on my podcast. I loved your hypothetical a few weeks back. Like what if this schedule had actually been reversed? And they had opened with all of these good defensive teams early in the season. You know, they went Dallas 49ers, Jets, Rams, Dolphins, Cowboys to start the season. Um, you know, instead of having Denver and Philly and the you know Chicago uh, early on, whose defense, remember that night, was completely cooked of its best players on that Thursday night. I mean, would we have even seen more than six or seven games of them? I mean, it's possible we wouldn't have. Yeah, no, for uh, for for sure. By, by the way, to your point of the optimism after that week eighteen, I think people. I'm half joking, but maybe not. I think people are more optimistic about Hal than they were after Timmy Smith in the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, yeah. you would have thought that, uh, like you said, that this was the answer. And it, it was like, yeah. And, and, well, you know, you a, and I, we've talked a lot about it, Ben. It's a scarred fan base. It is uh, not. It's not. It's not the fault of anybody in the fan base. We haven't had a legitimate quarterback now in six seasons. So anybody that can throw the football like Sam can, and he can throw it and can move around and make plays, is going to excite people, and they're going to ignore some of his flaws. Not everybody, um, but certainly, you know, there was a pretty sizable portion of the fan base that was bought in to this. So speaking of that, let's move forward. Um, so 15 games, and let's just assume he doesn't play another down this season. He might play against Dallas, who knows. Um, but let's just assume he doesn't. Uh, have you seen enough to, to, to know that they've got to have quarterback is priority number one personnel wise when they get to the off season? Yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, it's funny if you go back and listen to all my, all of our conversations on this show throughout the year, the pro- charting, the progression of like, boy, you know, you and I were pretty, pretty, pretty steadfast early on and saying, if you guys want to declare Sam the guy, go ahead. I need to see more. We need to see more. Then he starts getting better. Boy, Sam Howell's looking pretty good. Even get you know, get to the New England game. You know what? He's probably done enough at this point to justify being week one quarterback, especially with the salary, assuming that's what they want to do. And now it's like, well, <laughs> uh, I think you're going to have to go back to the well in some capacity. Um, I, I started talking about this on my podcast. Uh, I did one yesterday with Fred Smoot about how I'm coming. I'm warming up sort of to the idea of 
should they decide that they want to build the offensive line above all, that going that staying with Brissett and How, but making it a competition as opposed to just anointing How, isn't necessarily the worst idea if you're willing to slow play it a little bit. Uh, because, you know, but the whole point for, for not wanting to just go to Brissett automatically is kind of puts you back into that Taylor Heineke, Ryan Fitzpatrick y, you know, middle of the pack scenario. And this team needed, you know, I'll give credit for Ron for this. Whether he intended it or not, how was the all or nothing choice? Either they were going to find a quarterback or they were going to bottom out. And obviously, we know how that went. So the fact that they have the third pick right now, and, you know, probably worst case, it's the fourth pick, depending on how the strength of schedule stuff goes. Um, they'll be in position to take one. We've got a ways to go from the evaluation standpoint. But, you know, if they see a quarterback that they love, I would absolutely say go do that. If they're not enamored of Caleb Williams and Drake Mayer off the board and they don't like, uh, you know, kind of hedging, go ahead, take one of those offensive linemen if you think they're worthy and, and, and go from there. Like I said, at that point, a percent how combination doesn't seem that bad. Again, if you're willing to accept that it's going to be another sort of down to middling kind of year, um, which, you know, for a new regime coming in, that's not, you know, that's not a bad place to be. You're allowed, you're going to get um, more, you know, uh, wiggle room from the from everybody uh, at, at that point. But yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody who at this point is saying they still want to go with how that just seems like a big stretch. I will say Fred Smoot was saying to me yesterday on the podcast that he does think that's what he would still do. But um, I, I that's just a tougher road for me at this point. Yeah, I think it's just going to come down to the new regime and how they evaluate the quarterbacks because I think that'll be priority one. But it's always possible that they'll come to the conclusion that they don't love any of them and they'd be reaching at three or four. And let's you know take the best offense alignment or let's trade back and accumulate more picks. And then maybe 2025 is the year you go for the quarterback. Or maybe it's a, a quarterback that you can – they like J.J. McCarthy or they like Bo Nix or they like Penix Jr. Or maybe they like Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I'll leave it on that. Go. Uh, I gotta take. I gotta get to a break. Thanks. I'll talk to you on Friday. See you, man. Yeah, Ben Standing, everybody. Kevin Sheehan show the team nine eighty. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.